0: Welcome to Attorneys Are Human 2 episode 15 from the gridiron to the closing table featuring former NFL player and current real estate broker Willie Smith I'm your host Steve Wallace we're joined by your co-host Selena Music let's get right to it we have a real treat today we have former NFL player Willie Smith who is now a real estate broker in North Carolina and hi Willie how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: And we also have Selena here. She's our co-host. We're both of the Wallace Law Group.
2: Hi. Hi, Willie.
1: (laughs) Hey, how you doing?
0: And and Willie and I, we had the privilege of meeting through social media, which a lot of folks today, especially in light of the pandemic that are working from home or from, you know, limited office spaces, uh, a lot of us have really stepped up our social media game. And, you know, Willie, you have a great social media uh, presence out there, and I also had the privilege of being on Willie's podcast as well. And what's the name of your podcast, Willie?
1: It's called Generational Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate.
0: Excellent title.
1: Okay, so where did you grow up,
0: Willie?
1: I grew up in Kenley, North Carolina. We had one stoplight, and it was by McDonald's. So <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take long to get through Kenley. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Excellent. So for for all our listeners out there, Willie Willie played a few seasons in the NFL, and so you know we one of the things on on our podcast we we've had we've had a lot of former athletes on our podcast, and sports are something that are near and dear to both Celine and I's heart, and so we're wondering at what age did you start playing football?
1: Well, that's that's a, that's a great question. You know, I, I tried Pee Wee, but I started late. And I was always big so I could never make my weight. <laughs> so I did I never got to play a game uh, you know, doing peewee ball. And then, you know, my focus went to basketball. And believe it or not, man, I, I was a solid player and I had dreams of uh making it to the NBA and, and being the next, you know, Kobe or Jordan. But then my my coach, football coach in high school, he came to me and he said, Look, man, you know, you're you're six and and you're playing power forward center, you know. There's there's a I mean, you're a point guard in the NBA, and and the odds of you making it. I'm not trying to say you can't, but the odds of you making it is going to be slim to none. But he said 6'6", six, right now, your D one scholarship athlete, and you know when he said that it clicked, and I said well, somebody go give us a shot, and that was my tenth grade year in um high school, and you know one thing led to another, and you know became a great player.
0: That that's excellent. So we're in Florida, and as you know, Florida and Texas; those are the two states that are hotbeds of high school football. Yep. Did, how, how how is the high school football scene in North Carolina?
1: Well, high school football is not is nowhere near Florida and Texas, but we, we have some good competition here. But uh, I was at a smaller school, man. I was uh, one aa I think my graduating class might have had hundred people in, one hundred twenty people in it. So yeah, we we're a really small school. I was actually. Oh, wow. I was actually the first athlete to make it to to get a D1 scholarship to a you know big school. So that was wow. huge for our community.
0: Wow. That, that's excellent. So because of your small school, did you have to play offense and defense or did you just play one side of the ball? Okay. And so my understanding is in, are you you were an offensive lineman? Did you also play defensive line as well?
1: Well, actually in high school, I was a defensive end and I was a, a tight end. Oh, okay, uh, great. Yeah, yeah. So I was that's that's how I got recruited actually as a DN out of uh, high school. I, you know, I was thinking I was gonna be the next Julius Peppers and East Carolina University gave me a full scholarship and uh, Skip Holtz and um Donnie Thompson, you know, came to my house and, and sat on my couch and said, you know, Hey man, we we want you. You know, we believe you can be great and, and I think you're gonna be a phenomenal athlete and you know uh, a kid in high school hearing that from a D1 coach, man, they, you know, you, you're like, all right, man, yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. That, that sounds like a great opportunity. And that's why I ended up at uh, East Carolina University.
0: Did they also woo your parents? Because I'm sure your parents had a big say in, <laughs> in what, what school you went to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, basically they just told my mom, look, we're going to take care of him like he, he's our own son. And that, that was the main thing with her. You know, your mom wants to protect you. You know, my dad wasn't in the picture, so it was just my mom that they had to convince. And that was – you know pretty simple. Excellent.
0: So you went to East Carolina University and and could you tell our listeners what part of what, what city is East Carolina, North Carolina?
1: Yeah, it's in Greenville. We're in the um eastern part of the state.
0: Okay, great. And so what was your experience? How did did you enjoy playing college football?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. You know, I came in and I, you know, thought I was going to be the big shot. You know, everybody thinks that until they get slapped in the face, man. It was, it was, it was a different story, man. I got flat. <laughs> I Think about uh, my my first play coming in. We were scrimmaging, and you know, I'm coming across the edge, thinking I'm about to, you know, make this tackle look bad, bad. And he picked me up and slammed me, and I was like, "Dang, like, yo, this is for real." <laughs> yeah, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it it was crazy. But I came in at at 225, right. Mm-hmm. And by the end of my and I registered by the end of my freshman on um, red shirt year, I was two hundred sixty five and that was all wow. muscle holy cow wow yeah so wow. so could
0: you could you just give because because one thing, a lot of our listeners don 't understand the commitment and the time that that it takes for you know, college football spending and you all, in addition to that you 're balancing a, a course load i, I don 't think a lot of people really appreciate the hard work and the dedication. And we're going to follow up with another question about, should you be compensated for all the time and work that you put in as well?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, Man, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Um, And some guys, you know, quite frankly, they just don't make it because they, they don't have the, the level of focus that's required to, to juggle all of that. You know, you got school. And, and that's why you see some guys, they choose the easier route and just do something like communication because it doesn't require that much workload on them. But I, I decided I wanted to do mine in business management. So, I you know, I, I actually had some classes and papers and stuff that I really had to focus in and write. So, you know, you just had a, a time. I had to learn how to time block, you know, when I wasn't in school with um, football. You know, hey, let me go ahead and block this time out the first part of the day or between uh, classes. Let's go ahead and knock some workout. So I was focusing in that regard, and that's that's how I was able to, to juggle everything out on that. And then, as far as the second question, you know, do I believe college athletes should be compensated? I would say yeah. You know, we we in in a, in, a, in one sense you are compensated because they are paying for your schooling, but in another sense, if you think about how much money these programs bring in from from you know, collegiate athletes, specifically football, yeah, you know, they're, exactly. they're making a hundred millions of dollars, you know, they're making a lot of money. So yes, I, I think the players should be compensated some form, some fashion. You know, how does that look? I don't know, but I do believe that that should happen. Okay, great. Selena?
2: I agree. I mean, and I've, I've said that every time we've interviewed a coach or, or anyone on the show, I've always asked like their opinion on on how they should be compensated, or, or other ways that they should be allowed to make some money. I mean, like I said, you have major companies, you know, uh, sporting goods companies, giving these schools, tons of money, and I, I don't see why they can't give a percentage to these students. I mean, yes, you're paying for their college. But at the same time, they still have to live. They still have to be – I mean, they're young. These football yeah. players look massive and, and older, but they're young. They're kids.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's it's a lot of money to come into these schools. And you're not even talking about the, the money to come into the conference and then from the, the, the TV contracts, all of this. I mean, it's a lot of money to get circulated. And, um, you know, players should get their cut because they put a lot of time, energy – effort, blood, sweat, tears into making those programs what they are.
2: Yeah. And I, and I, and I always wonder about the sacrifice these players make and then, you know, not every player makes it to the NFL.
0: Yeah. So you yeah. make
2: all that sacrifice and then you get your, you know, your bachelor's degree and, and something. And a lot of them end up having just regular jobs, you know, and it's, it doesn't seem fair because it's still a career they had while they were in college, the way yeah. the way that I see it. It's a career.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about sacrifices, you know, football is a very physical sport. But with that being said, I, I injured myself and, and win the workouts. You know, when the workouts is it's if you really think about winter workouts, you can ask any coach this, you know, and I don't know if they will tell you the truth, but it's all about seeing how mentally tough your, your players are. So they're pushing you to your limit. I mean, you're out there about to die. <laughs> and they're they, they wanting to see how much they can get out of you. And you know, going through winter workouts, I actually tore my Achilles tendon. On the oh last day of winter workouts, the last drill with probably one minute left before we was done, and I tore my Achilles tendon. Mm. Um, and I had a battle back from that. And, you know, get back on the starting roster and, and, and play. But this in college, college. You,
0: you injured your Achilles? Yeah, this was in college. Oh, my gosh. So did you have, a, did you have an extra year off because – did you get a, a medical redshirt because of that?
1: No, nah, that's what was a blessing, man. I, I toured in February and did the, re, the repair on it and did the rehab and made it back by camp in August and made it to camp and, and started every game that year. So – Wow.
2: Wow. Can I ask you, you know, we hear of all these cases of all these NFL players with CTE. Yeah. Is that something that's going on in the universities as well and, and it's just not being talked about?
1: I would say anybody that's playing football and, you know, they're in a high contact position, then that can happen to anybody. You know, you're hitting heads every place. So it's getting talked about more in the NFL just because. These, this is the NFL and there's a lot of money that's been thrown around out there, but anybody that's playing sports at a high level and there's, there's high impact then there's, there's a chance that, you know, that individual could develop, you know, the CTE.
2: Yeah. Do you it, think that the NFL could be doing more to help these players even after their career has ended with the NFL that have CTE?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, they're making some money, you know, they, they really bringing in some cash. And, you know, I definitely believe that the NFL could do more for, you know, people that retire or they have to retire because of concussions or whatever it is. There's a lot more that could be done, you know, in those regards.
0: So, so can I ask you a question? Did, have you ever during a game or, or during practice suffered a concussion that you're aware of?
1: I mean, I probably have. I mean, if you, you play on the old line you you're you pretty much get your bell rung, you know, at some point, you know, and you just keep going. I mean, you just shake it off and, you know, keep back playing.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. So, during college, how how successful was your team? Did you guys ever make it to a bowl game?
1: Yeah, yeah. When I was there at East Carolina, uh, we haven't, haven't been doing uh, that great of late. But you know the program's heading in the right direction now. But when I was there, we won back-to-back conference championships, conference USA, and we went in a bowl game every year. I was there.
0: That's excellent. I'm sure because of your leadership, right?
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, because you, I know East Carolina before Syracuse went to the ACC. They used to play him every year, and you guys used to catch us a bunch of times. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, what great. What team
2: did you play for in the NFL?
1: Well, I came out the year I came out, it was the lockout. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was a lockout. I thought I was gonna get drafted, I wasn't. So I was sitting around just trying to figure out what was next. Lockout ended, a lot of teams called me. I decided to go with the Redskins. I but it's a tryout, though it's not a guarantee. And I just went out there, bust my tail, and hard work and made a 53 man roster, played with them. And then uh, the next year I was released, and Oakland Raiders they picked me up off waivers. I started eight games for them. And uh, the next count was having a great count, but then I got waved injured because I partially tore my tricep oh, and no. I did a rehab on that. And then the Chargers picked me up later that year. And then I played another year with the Chargers. And then I did a count with the, well, the Washington uh, Washington and the Panthers again. So, you know, all together, I did six years if you count the counts.
0: Wow. Uh, so let, let's take a step back. Uh, so I assume because you were you were a prospect, did you go through the draft
1: combine? Yeah, yeah, I went through the combine.
0: Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that just because I see it on TV and it looks pretty like barbaric, some of the things that you guys do. They just care about like the numbers and everything like that, like how yeah. high he can jump, how fast he can run. I mean, right. it's 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 right. pretty inhumane in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, get You just release some meat, like just going through the semi yeah. line, like, you know, it's exactly like you said. And then they, they bring you in for interviews, ask you all kind of all kind of questions to kind of see who you are. You know, will you be a fit for their organization? But yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is, man. You, you're just a number. That's why you see the numbers on the chest. Like, you're, you're really just a number.
0: I mean I like football, but I, I, I kinda don't like it also just the way that they treat you guys, you know. They're making a lot of money and you know, yeah. your your career span is not that long and I mean you're losing, you know, your twenties and thirties and, 30s and right. then you're discarded because there's not there's not a you know, especially in your position, there's not a lot of guaranteed contracts.
1: Right. And and here's the thing that you know, people don't talk about a lot. But as you're playing and, and you're putting everything you have into the career like like you mentioned you know you're like you just said 20 in your 20s and 30s so when you get out there's your peers that you went to school with that, that you know received their their degree and now they're eight ten years into their career and you're essentially like you know you're you're brand new but you're a grown man and you're starting from the bottom when you're trying to enter the workforce so that's what makes that's something that's very challenging that nobody's talking about. We're here on this podcast. Yeah. We want to talk
0: about what nobody's talking about. So for sure. Yeah.
2: I mean, you sound like, have you ever watched the show Ballers? Nah. Oh my God. You sound, you sound like that show where he's a ex football player and he's trying to help all these, all these football players manage their finances. And he's yeah. basically starting a new career after yeah. his career ended. And, yeah. and he realized that, you know, he, he lost almost everything because and and correct me if i'm wrong but when you're in the nfl and you're living this like high life people forget that that ends quickly and and not every player ends well unless you know they they took their education and career elsewhere
1: right
0: like michael strahan (laughs) so so along those lines who was your favorite coach in the nfl and why
1: Oh, man, that's – well, I guess if I had to say my favorite coach, you know, Mike Shanahan because he gave me my first opportunity, you know, with the Washington Redskins. You know, if it wasn't for, for you know, them deciding to, to sign me, then who knows if I would have ever got another opportunity in the NFL. So, you know, and, and the zone offense, I loved it. I was athletic um, tackle, so just get it out and running was – it fit me. So that's, that's why I like that organization.
0: And were you what, – what tackle were you, left tackle or right tackle?
1: I was left tackle, but then I, if you don't become a starter, you automatically are a swing tackle, so you play left and right.
0: Gotcha. So Selena, and for our listeners out there, left tackle is one of the most valuable positions in football because they protect the quarterback's blind side. You oh, ever wow. see the movie The Blind Side? That was I- I've that...
2: seen The Blind Side. Right, right.
0: And I've so seen, he remember
2: the Titans. Right, right.
0: No, but Willie Willie played that 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 interval position.
2: Wow, wow. And for the Redskins. Let me ask you, what do you think about people, and this is a little bit political, but what do you think about the request to change the name for the Redskins?
1: Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really get political, but I guess if, if it was offending people, then, you know, maybe it was the time to, to change it. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't get political. So I, I don't really, you know, dig into that stuff too much.
0: Better, better, safe than sorry is what I say. Right. Okay, so you are you're the defender of the quarterback, in, when when you're the starting left tackle and you play the right tackle also. So, that being said, we know who your favorite coach is. Who is your favorite quarterback that you protected on the O line?
1: Man, that's that's a great question, and <laughs> you can ask any offensive lineman is. But you know your your favorite quarterback is the one that's mobile because if your butt get beat. You want somebody that can avoid that, <laughs> but you know, you know, RG three, he was a good quarterback. You know, Philip Rivers in San Diego, he he was a great quarterback. I, I played with some good quarterbacks, man. I really have. I have a
0: question about Philip Rivers, though, specifically. So yeah. when I see him on the <laughs> sidelines, he's always like kind of grouchy and he's like yelling at people. <laughs> How was your relationship with him? I mean, I'm sure he liked you because you protected his butt.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Phil Phil was a good guy, man. You know, he was passionate. You know, he, he he yeah, he approached it like a business every day in and day out, and that's why he's still playing now. But yeah, man, Phil's a great guy. Very very passionate about winning. You know, he wants to win. He wants to get that Super Bowl. So, you know, you're going to be intense when you're trying to get that done.
0: Excellent. Okay, last football question. Then we'll transition into we want to learn about Onyx Capital Investments. So. At what point during your career did you decide that I, you know, I've, I've kind of utilized as much as I can in football and it's time for me to take that next step into the business world?
1: Well, I would say, man, that happened when I didn't get drafted. Because once I didn't get drafted, I realized that, you know, nothing is guaranteed and this football isn't guaranteed. You need to have a plan B. And that's one thing I tell the guys I talk to in college that, that want to make it to the league, hey – it's a great goal. But hey, man, have a plan B. Go ahead and get a degree that makes sense so you can make money when you're done um, with sports. So, you know, in other regards, man, I, I was just always thinking about how can I make money outside of football? So when I did get drafted, well, when I did uh, make the 53-man roster, I, I just was always looking, you know. And, and I started buying um, duplexes and townhomes here in my local market, uh, Greenville, North Carolina. And it was, it was, it was powerful because I was out there hitting people and and blocking and and doing all of that. But I'll look at my account and there's a check sitting there for something that I didn't do anything for, you know, the passive income side of real estate is what really attracted me to uh, this industry. And, you know, obviously reading rich dad, poor dad, you know, having assets to pay for your liabilities is also, you know, critically important as well.
0: Excellent. I'm sorry. I I do have two more football related questions, but they're kind of funny ones. So so when you got that first check from from when you made your 53 man roster, what was the first thing you bought with that check?
1: Man, I went to Vegas and I put it on black. (laughs) <laughs> and how'd you do? Man, I ain't here. No, no. All, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, man, I, I went and, uh, um, you know, went on a nice dinner with my wife and took care of my mom, man, G- gave her some money. You know, that's what I did with that first That's That's great.
0: <laughs> and then the last last football-related question is, could you tell us a story, what was the most passionate halftime or pregame talk that your coaches or your, or your teammates gave to you?
1: Oh man, that's 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 tough, man. Because I was part of so many games, so many great players, so many great teammates. You know, uh, DJ Fluker, man. You know, if you look him up, he, he's still playing. I think he's with, uh, I think he's with Baltimore now. But DJ Fluker, man, he, he you know, pregame, he, <laughs> he was, he also he used to always be like, man, somebody got to die today, dog. Like, some, <laughs> somebody got to die today, dog. And then he'd be like, what that train say, dog? They'd be like, wow, wow. like. Dude. <laughs> Just get everybody so hyped, somebody ready to go out there, man. But I was like, man, Fluke, nobody ain't died yet, man. Stop saying that. <laughs> I'm getting excited just hearing that, you know. I know. Yeah, yeah but he, he he be so hyped up, man. His energy just draws you in, man. So, yeah, I would say DJ Fluker, man. That that was my guy. You know, he he helped. every Everything he was on, man, everybody could tell you, high energy, man. High energy.
2: Well, and I'm going to transition, but back to the real estate being that you know so many ex players in NFL, in the NFL, is that something that you're going to try to roll into your real estate?
1: Yeah, well, one of my passions uh, and the reason why I started my podcast, Generation of Wealth to Commercial Real Estate, was because I wanted to have a platform where I can give back and and help educate people on you know how to invest in real estate. Man, I bring on some of the best you know syndicators, operators. In the, in the US. And that was the reason why I started the podcast. But I'm trying to find a way to get in front of these guys, you know, whether they're rookies or, or guys just getting ready to exit and they're trying to figure out what's next, putting a platform together. Uh, maybe it's a module or you know, write a book. I don't know. I'm still trying to brainstorm it. But I want to find a way to, to help these guys learn that, man, you don't have to give all your money to the financial advisor and, and just hope and pray that he takes care of you. But, you know, getting some financial literacy in front of these guys and showing them, look, instead of buying that car, go buy this, this multifamily building that will pay for that car and, and your life, you know, forever. You know, so just trying to get that in front of these guys and, and figuring out the best medium for that is what I'm focusing on right now.
2: This is That's why you great. have to watch Ballers.
1: Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: well, they're going to do a, a new series about Willie, you know, about focusing on real estate.
2: <laughs> Willie's yeah. going to be the spinoff.
0: That's so, right. re- real estate is is a lot. There's a major component of real estate is sales. So, at what point did you did you develop or hone your sales skills, and then use that to transition into real estate?
1: Yeah, well, if you think about it, man, you're always selling. You know, whether that's trying to get somebody to date you, you're trying to sell them on why you're the best, you know, person for them, or trying to get a job, you're selling that employer on why they should hire you. And it's the same thing every day in sports, man. You, you're selling them on why you should still be the starter. So you're constantly selling all the time, right? And when I finished playing college ball and I didn't get drafted, I started a job with this company called Cutco because, once again, I wasn't getting all this money from the university, so I had to figure out a way to, you know, still put some money in my pocket. And uh, Cutco is a company that sells kitchen cutlery. And I was going around knocking on doors with, with a bag full of knives saying, hey, man, <laughs> you, you want to buy all your knives, I got." And, uh, you know, I, I reached out to some of the boosters and the, you know, the people that supported ECU and I learned how to sell. And I, I became one of the top sales brokers for that company while I was with them, man. I, I learned a lot from that time on how to sell. And, you know, I take that into what I do now. Listen. If you can sell knives to somebody, you can sell anything can to sell
0: anybody. <laughs> especially if yeah. you're walking to somebody's door with a bag full of knives. Right, wow, right. that is that is fascinating, really. Okay. So then, let let's fast forward a little bit. After you you were a, a top salesperson at Cutco, what was the next step, and what made you decide to to transition into real estate sales and real estate investment?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, real estate sales, I, I got into that side of the business because once again career is over i had a degree in business management but if you looked at the jobs that was available to entry-level management degrees it was 35 maybe forty, forty-five thousand dollars here in uh, eastern north carolina and you know i you know i got a wife and you know three kids at the time i got four now but i had three kids at the time and yeah, you know, it's going to be hard to, to make to make a job like that work. So I said, man, we, we got to get into sales. And, you know, I, I purchased those properties while I was playing and I understood the transactional process of it. And I was like, well, that's, that's not that hard. So I went and studied and, you know, got my real estate license and, you know, became one of the top sales brokers here in in my local market. And I was, that was on the residential side. But then I got tired of dealing with uh, emotional buyers about not wanting to buy because they don't like the color of the room or, they don't like why the carpets look like that and it was just too much emotion so i switched over to the commercial side and really started focusing on investment sales with apartment complexes, sales storage and mobile home parts excellent excellent
0: so can you give us a snapshot of the north carol the eastern north carolina market so because we have investors that are looking to invest all over the world and, yeah. you know, obviously we would love, you know, you, I've known you before, for, for a while and I enjoy yeah. being a guest on your podcast and you're very knowledgeable. So could you give us a little snapshot of that market?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I focus on North Carolina in general because, you know, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's hard to find good opportunities. And I, that's the kind of deals I, I'm trying to put in front of my investors is a firm, the Overton Greenville. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid by going direct to seller. And finding somebody that want to sell off market. So if you're looking in Greenville, you know for a, a B class product, you're probably going to be somewhere around seventy a door. A market typically trades around six and a half, seven cap. But it's it's solid, solid rental community. You got East Carolina University here. You got the, the people that work at the hospital. A lot of a lot of blue blue collar workers here. So you you have you know, Greenville. And then you, you think about, uh, you know, Raleigh is about an hour and 30 minutes west of us. And Raleigh is a, a very, very hot market, a lot of population growth, a lot of job growth. You got diversity of jobs, um, but you're going to be looking at cap rates around five, five and a half when you're looking at Raleigh market. And, you know, the, depending on the asset that you're looking at, I mean, you could be paying anywhere from 110 a door to 180 a door, just, you know, depending on where you're at. And, and Charlotte is is very similar. It's a, just a very hot market. You know, a lot of a lot of jobs over there as well. A lot of people moving to Charlotte. So it's the same kind of thought process, man. You're you're going to be paying around that five and a half cap rate, and you know you're about one twenty to one forty a door.
2: What advice would you give someone looking to get into real estate in your area? What advice? Because a lot of people go into real estate and they think automatically they're going to make tons of money right
1: away right 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 well you know i got honest capital investment so i have my you know invest investment arm that i'm trying to do myself and you know what i would tell anybody is what do what i'm doing get out there network with people you know because you know when you start trying to do bigger deals you're going to need partners you're going to need team members that that have agency experience because if you're trying to get Fannie and freddie debt they want to see that you have prior experience with them, and you're not going to have that yourself if you're just getting started. So find some some operators that, that are you know ready to do more deals, and, and you go out there and find a deal, you know, bring them on. And then you want to need somebody to help you raise capital. You know, if you're talking about a, a ten million dollar uh, property, and you got to put down thirty percent, you got to put down three million dollars. And you know, most people are not going to have three million dollars in the bank account. And even if they do, you still got to have some post closed liquidity and a net worth of the loan. So, you know, it's a lot that goes into it. So I would just tell anybody that's looking to get started. Number one, network, network, network. You have LinkedIn, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you'll get on these platforms because there's a lot of people out there that's making noise in the industry. And then number two, focus on building your team. Like you, you need a broker, you need an attorney, you need inspectors, you need insurance guys. I mean, you, it's a lot that goes into putting a deal together. So don't, think, don't make the mistake of thinking you can do everything yourself because you're going to be spinning your wheels for a long time.
0: Correct. That's excellent. Okay, we're going to start wrapping up. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask each ask one question and yep. then Selena, you want to do the lightning round this time? Okay, so my question is, during the pandemic, what TV show or shows have you been binge watching?
1: Well, <laughs> that, that, that's a great question, man, because um, Netflix is there. It's readily available. But what's the show, man? Kingdom on Netflix. I've been binge watching that. The guy that you know got out of the prison, he's boxing and you know building his career back up. So I've that been watching that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm i trying to you know balance that with hey not binging too much because I still need to get a lot of work done, a lot of different stuff we're trying to work on right now. So, yeah, that, that's that's the show though.
2: <laughs> okay, here's my question: If you were stuck on an island, like castaway, yeah, what celebrity would you like to come rescue you?
1: Got to be careful here. I <laughs> I can't say the answer. I want my wife might hear me. <laughs> uh, oh man, I guess um. Man, Denzel Washington, man, so we can talk about, man, his his career and how he's successful. Man, believe it or not, man, Denzel is – he's he's doing a lot of amazing things. Or Shaq. No, matter, matter of fact, let me change that. My answer is Shaq. Shaq, you know, he, he was one of the best in the NBA, dunking on people, but then he, he transitioned and, and became very, very successful in, in real estate and businesses. So, yeah, Shaq's my answer, man. Shaq insurance
2: answer. companies.
1: Yeah. Pizza yeah,
2: companies.
1: The yeah. Papa John's
0: board, you know, the only, uh-huh. the only African-American to be on right. their board. So. Listen, every Excellent. time
2: I see a, an insurance commercial with Shaq, I'm like, he is doing it.
1: Yeah. 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 Is killing the game.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions, and don't worry. They're going to be very simple. Okay, and you just answer them without any thought in mind. Yep. Okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. Sneakers or dress shoes? Dress shoes. Shorts or pants? Shorts. (laughs) Then I have dress shoes with some
1: shorts on. I like that. That's a good look.
2: (laughs) Pie or cake? Dogs or cats? Dogs. Okay. That concludes my quick fire question. I'm <laughs> glad you, it's dogs. Th-
0: th- thank you so much, Willie. Can you tell us how we can find you? You're on a variety of different platforms and we would love our listeners to find you. And then also tell us a little bit more about your podcast in closing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm on LinkedIn as uh, Will Smith. I'm there with my Chargers uniform on game mode. So uh, I'm up there LinkedIn. Uh, you can get me on Facebook. Will Smith as well. My, my website, honestcapitalinvestments.com. You can uh, contact me there. All my contact information is on that website as well. And then as far as my podcast, that's on YouTube. It's on iTunes, anywhere you can listen to a music ad or, or a podcast that I'm up there.
0: And what's the and he name of your great, podcast he has again? has great
1: gets? Generation of Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate.
0: And he's a great interviewer. He's got amazing guests. And you really can learn a lot about the real estate industry by watching his podcast.
1: Thanks, man. And then in
0: closing, I also, I, one last question. One of the things that I find fascinating about your social media presence are you have such nice, colorful, and informative infographics. Can you, can you tell us your secret?
1: That's my secret sauce, man. I can't give you that. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, look, on his, on his, on his social media, amazing, informative infographics that's how he keeps it spicy that's right thank <laughs> right. you so much willie and we look forward to you having the utmost success and thank you so much and we wish you the best
1: appreciate it man thanks and
0: thank you for being a part of this absolutely thank you for listening to this episode of attorneys are human too please subscribe to this podcast in your favorite <laughs> podcast host Please also leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to seeing you next time.